they need to understand credit and how to utilize credit. Credit is based off of history. So you never want to cancel one of your credit cards. I don't care what Dave Ramsey says. If you cancel your credit cards, you pay them off, you lose all the credit you made from that card. It's gone. Microphone check, one, two, what is this? You're now listening to a brand new episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Look what you done started. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. I'm your host, Cherie Prince, and we are joined today by Ed Parco, author and mortgage strategist. Ed, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. From our conversation, it looks like you're going to give us some gems today about real estate education and financial literacy. Where do we start? I don't know. Where do you want to start? I just say this for anybody in the mortgage, real estate, any of that kind of industry that you're dealing with, there's 50 million millennials coming to the market in the next few years. That should be scary. That's a lot of people. And the, one of the biggest issues we have right now, we're about 18 million homes short nationwide. Just 18 million? Just about 18 million. Yeah. And we're not even building enough to keep up with that. So we are, we normally create 1.9 million households a year that can be single family homes, those kind of things, but just new households, creations, people are leaving and we're building about uh, the last number I just saw, I think it was 1.4 million uh, houses and multifamily to fill that. So we're still 500,000 short. So that means we're adding that to that deficit. Yeah. That's the problem. But what is the solution? Like, well, no, I'm just saying. I'm just letting people, you wanted to know where we're, the issue is. And that's not necessarily an issue. That's a huge opportunity. And one of the things that's going to help us with this is, I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of places that are starting to build houses in factories. And what I mean by that, I don't mean the old mobile home park homes. I'm not talking those. I'm talking actual stick built houses. They're built in a factory. They're brought out on site, put together, and so the 90% of it's done in the factory. The last 10% is done on site to add the stuff to make it look different because every house is a box. That's how we're going to get out of this. They're going to do, they do three shifts a day. They have a supervisor on every shift. They know the number. They mark it perfect. There's not an issue. If you've ever seen a house built outside, you got weather, you have other stuff. The supervisor didn't show up this morning. Go ahead and work. They don't necessarily check off everything these people done. And if you ever bought a new house, there's always issues. I love that. And it makes so much more sense. And the other thing, they're going to print them. So they have a 3D printing for house now where they use concrete to make the house. And they did a whole plan of them out in a certain, I think it was in Arizona. They did a whole track of them. They're building them. Practically, how durable are those homes compared to... Your stick built homes, your brick and mortar homes. It's concrete. It's layered concrete on top of each other. It's just, it's, it's not plastic. It's done the same way they do plastic stuff. They do concrete and it just flows around and makes the whole thing all the way and leaves grooves out for everything else. They are printing concrete. Well, it's actual, no, it's just called that. The okay. actual concrete is being poured into this thing and it, and the 3d printer has the design of the house and, and instead of plastic, it's using actual concrete. So. Okay. Cause Ed, you're blowing my mind today. You really yeah. are blowing my mind about some so of those this. are the two things that are going to help this. And the other thing that needs to help this is our government needs to get in. And for the first time in, I don't know, 20, 40 years, get involved with helping build homes for, and at a, a reasonable price. 
Now, see, that is an entire powder keg. But before we light it up, tell us about your background and how you became an expert in the mortgage industry in the home buying process. I'll be honest with you, I fell into it. So I was in the Navy. I got my bachelor's and master's while I was in. I got out, went to get in the real estate industry because this one of the people that I knew, he's like, get in the real estate industry. Well, it was a 91. And if you know anything about 91 and 92, it was a bad year to get in the real estate industry. I went back into what, even though I was a corpsman in the Navy and I worked physical therapy, I knew computers really well. So I got in the computer industry. That kind of fell apart in 94, 93, 94 that contract I had gotten. And then my neighbor owned a mortgage company. And so I went to work for him and I was like, wow, I really love this numbers. It's a different numbers. It's not like CPA numbers, which puts me to sleep. That's why you have bookkeepers and other people. But for me, numbers, helping people understand that they can afford a home. And then I really got into after doing a lot of refinances, because a lot of us companies were out of San Diego. We didn't do purchase. We did refinances nationwide. And I built multiple companies doing that. And then when I moved up to Northern California. I'm like, I want to get out of that realm. I want to get into the purchase to help people get into homes and help them change their lives. Because somebody who buy, who gets into a home, owns a home, it's going to change the whole trajectory of that family going forward. Now, everybody in that family thinks, I need to own a home. I need to move this and I need to do better. And so that's one of the reasons I wrote my book, Financial Freedom, Building Personal Wealth Through Homeownership, is after doing this for 20, God, I can't believe it's been 25, 26 years. I qualify differently than other people. The way I do it is different. And I can't teach enough LOs or other people in my area to handle that. So I wrote a book on how we look at things. We look at credit first, we, then we look at assets and income, and then we go on from there. And it, the book breaks it all down. And that's why I did that. And so the book is for the aspiring homeowner. Yes, it's for that and existing homeowner. And the reason I say that is last people don't understand what's a CD and a loan estimate. What are those? What are that means? When's the last time they were really on contract? And did that loan officer and that real estate agent really explain the process or did they just fall through and go, this was the worst thing I've ever been through? The problem when you deal with me is it's the easiest thing. You want to do it again which is good, but I'm just saying that's the difference. Other people go through, it's like childbirth. It was, they got through it and a baby came out and they like it, but it's just a horrible event up until that baby comes out. And that's what happens with a lot of people in, the, in getting a home loan. Oh my gosh. Okay. I was doing good to about two seconds ago. So, What's the matter? No, you said it's like childbirth. I'm I, saying that pain that some people have, some people, it's like, oh, I, I had a baby. It just came out. No big deal. Other people, it's really challenging. It's, it's a lot of pain. So It is. And take it from someone who has two children, but that, <laughs> it is, it's an ordeal. So you talked about financial literacy. Quite simply, what are some of the basic, like, personal finance things that people need to understand and have a grip on before they begin the application process for a new home? They need to understand credit and how to utilize credit. And what I mean by that is credit is based off of history. So you never want to cancel one of your credit cards. I don't care what Dave Ramsey says. If you can't control yourself, I understand that. There's That's why they have AA, right? You're an alcoholic, whatever that, or NA, whatever that is, because you can't control yourself on that. Some people are like that. There's a, what, maybe 10% of the population, maybe less. But the other people don't, if you cancel your credit cards, pay them off, you lose all the credit you made from that card. It's gone. 
I had a friend of mine who was getting ready to do a refinance and I pulled her credit and it was 90 points lower and she had just canceled one of her credit cards she's had forever. But what do you say to the person who just really wants to go buy that brand new car right before they purchase a home? They can, but they won't be purchasing a home. So it's here's the thing. You want to buy your house first, then buy the car. We look at house, we look at the debt to income ratio different. So debt to income ratio means for every dollar you bring in, how many cents of that dollar goes towards the mortgage? And then also the other debt to income ratio we look at is how many cents goes towards the mortgage and your other debt. We look at those numbers differently than car dealerships do. So if you really want that car, buy the house first, then go get that car. Because here I've had people where the girlfriend bought a truck for her boyfriend at the time. And now those two car payments are as much as an average mortgage. And you could have had a house for that. The house appreciates and cars depreciate. And I think a lot of people really don't understand that concept. They look at both of them as assets. And at the time that we're recording this, it's the end of the year. And so the next thing that we have is tax season which is a favorite time of the year for car dealership. And people, I don't know if people really think about the timing of purchasing a home. Let's talk a little bit about employment history if you're looking to purchase a home. Right. What well, is can it? Can we back good? up to what you just said? I'm sorry. Oh, no. Look. When you said that about buying tax reasons for buying a car, there are many tax reasons for buying a car, but you better have a, a LLC or a corporation or you know this better than me. And the car better weigh more than 6,000 pounds so that you can actually write that thing off. Oh, yeah, definitely agreed. But a lot of times like, oh, I got my tax refund. I'm going to the car lot. And you may be setting yourself up to not get that home. Looking at employment history, how is employment history gauged when you're qualifying for a home loan? We look at the last two years. But if you've been in nursing school for the past two years, you just got out. You're making in California $140,000 a year starting as a nurse. We can use that income. We use the schooling as your employment, and then we use the current income for that to qualify. Now, if you just got out of high school and you want to buy a home, unless you've been working for the last two years, a really good job while you're in high school, it's not going to happen. You're going to have to have two years of history or you use your parents to help you co-sign. There's so many ways to, so it's so hard to generalize because I found out the other day I did a test and. There are some people who can come up with an idea. Then there are people who can sell that idea. I can do both. So I'm 15% of the population that can do that. So when I come up with a way to get a, I don't want to say get around stuff, but how to push that line without breaking it, I know how to, to do it, figure it out. And I know how to sell it. So it gets passed through everywhere, all the way through underwriting and approved. So my closing ratio is like 99.99%. Yeah, hey, that's awesome. Yeah, because I never have fallout. The only time I have a fallout is somebody doesn't like the house. Then they go get a different house. It's not because of our setup. We just make sure that when we get somebody in contract, they are going to close. Doesn't mean I throw away all these people who don't. No, you just work with people. I've worked with a guy for three years to get him ready to own a home. Let's talk about some of those situations because you do have people that may be credit challenged. Maybe they've had a bankruptcy or foreclosure. What are some of the things they need to do to rehab their credit so that they can qualify for home ownership? If, and again, it's going to all depend on the type of bankruptcy, right? I assume we're talking personal bankruptcy, either a chapter seven or a chapter 13, right? So if you're doing a chapter 13, you've, you're showing that you're paying the stuff back. So after you're done with your actual discharge, you can go get an FHA loan and a VA loan. 
Now, if it's a seven, you have to, VA makes you wait two years and FHA, I think, bear with me here, it's either three or four years, but VA is the best. And I could be totally wrong. I could Google it real, real quick, but I learned a long time ago, don't remember everything. Just go and check real quick because everything changes. One thing about the mortgage industry, if you don't like today, the way it is, don't worry, tomorrow will be worse. And you're laughing. It's so it's the way it is. It's it. They want to make sure that you can afford the home. It's not like 2006 where we take a pulse and you can get in. Now you actually have to qualify. Is it that difficult to qualify? No. 75% of the people these days have a higher than a seven, around a 740 FICO score. Only 25% of the population doesn't. Back in 2006, it's complete opposite. Only 25% had a high FICO score. Everybody else had a low FICO score. So we've changed as a nation. We've changed as a people. But when I went back to those millennials who are coming, most of them, 50 to 60% of them are not financial literate about how to buy a house. And that's, again, why I wrote my book. It's that it's an easy process, but it's for most people an unknown. And some of us in the industry make it harder than it needs to be. So you think it's a big deal. Well, there's certain things that are easy for you that are, would be hard for me. This is very easy. And it's funny because most of the people come to me who think they can't buy are the ones who can buy and the ones who think they can buy are the ones who can't buy. Figure that one out. Okay. What advice would you have for a young professional who was looking to achieve financial freedom? Because a lot of the concepts that you're talking about with personal finance and home ownership lead you down the path to financial freedom. Correct. And I focus on just the first house. And that's what I focus on because you got to get your own home. So many people today go, okay, get in some of these other things to own real estate and buy investment properties, do this first. Most people just want a place to live and be able to write, ac accumulate equity, accumulate, you know, for people in California, the average person has $350,000 worth of equity that's been built in the last three years. That's huge. I don't know where it's like in your town, but I'm sure you could tell me. And a lot of places have appreciated dr drastically over the last five years. And people go, I can't afford right now. Rates are coming down. It is getting better. And if you don't get into home ownership within the next five years, I know in California, it's 70% of the people will have to rent. In other states, it's not going to be that way. But we make a lot of money here for jobs. Other states don't make as much. An example is nurses. A lot of nurses can't leave California because they won't make what they make in California elsewhere. So up until this point, we've talked directly to people who may be looking for home ownership. But what if somebody says, Ed, what you do sounds awesome. How can I get on the path to become a mortgage strategist and to work with homeowners if I would like to choose this as a profession? Wait two years. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, here's what I'm here's what I'm saying. All right, right now, a lot of and I was on a podcast last week with another person from Florida. He was a president of some bank or England or something like that, and he was talking about we say just survive till 25. So what they're saying is it's the last year has been really horrible in our industry. I was averaging 30 transactions a month. I went down to as low as four transactions a month. And that's just because if you look at our area, we're at 30% of what we normally do. Just because people have such a low interest rate on their house, they don't have to do anything and they're not moving. The only things that are changing hands are death, divorces, and job transfers. So that's like 30 to 35%. So for somebody to say, I want to get in this industry first, get another job, 
and then somewhat get into this industry and learn it. Um, there are going to be some major changes in our industry over the next few years. You know, it's going to make it e easier. There are certain people we don't need much anymore. And what I've been working on for the last few months is now that we're going back through my processes and going, okay, who do I, and this is not negative, but who do I not need anymore? Meaning what part of the person is just in, just taking something from me and just putting it where I, that person can, I, if I got to upload it to somewhere, why can't I just upload it here and be done with it? And then later the loans approve. Why do I have to upload it over here? And then you uploaded it for me. You know I mean? There's just a lot of stuff we've been working on just to make the process so much easier. Cause we can get a transaction done in nine days. What nine days, the shortest period of time it can be done is the eighth day. And the reason is because you have to sign this loan estimate, you have to wait seven days before you can sign uh, documents, loan documents. What is the difference in working with a bank versus working with someone like you, the pros and cons? So, all right. So with the bank, you're stuck with what they have years ago, back in 2006, there was a lot of good competition with the banks because they had some really good loan officers. They don't have those. After the downturn, they got all those loan officers left because they were paid an hourly wage plus a little bit. They weren't paid any. So they were like a glorified teller and no offense to anybody. But that's basically what happened where the real people who knew what I know don't work for those banks anymore. They have to rely and they have to go to some underwriter that's in the back in some place that they can't talk to. And then they don't really understand what they need. There are a few good ones. Don't get me wrong, but they're not the people who are really good. They go out and they get into my industry on the broker side because I never, I don't want to say I never have to say no, but I can always find a way to get it done through a different organization or a different cluster. I love that. And we're, we're cheaper. We're less expensive. We don't have all the fees that banks have. We don't have underwriting fees. We don't have processing fees. Some of us do, but most of us don't. Now, Ed, when I introduced you, <clears throat> I left off one of the very best things about you because you use um, another platform to actually discuss some of these topics. You have your own podcast, correct? Let's see. Here's what I have. I do a, a radio show I've been doing for five years. It's on iHeartRadio. So if you have the iHeart app, you can listen to it. It's on Power Talk 1360 called Real Estate Jerky. We give you something to chew on. It's about real estate and finance and community. And that I've had that name when they asked me to do the show, they were asking me, what do you want to call it? And I said, what about this? I've had this as a blog for a long time. And they, my opening smokehouse studio. And so they played off of it. I then turned that after it airs on Saturday and re airs on Sunday, on Monday, uploaded as a podcast. So you can get that anywhere you get your podcast at. And then I do from that show, I do uh, nine lives a week. Um, on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube about real estate and what's going on in the community. I was trying to take all my listeners away from the radio and do it on, on the lives. But what I've done is actually created more of the local community uh, in the real estate and mortgage industry to watch us because I'm doing it with my co-hosts and we have a good time. We talk about what's going on in the market and they, everybody understands it. We don't, we're just trying to educate. Cause that's what it's all about financial, you know, what we need in the schools. And that's a whole another subject is kids don't understand any of this stuff in the schools and they don't teach any of this stuff in the schools. So I do that. And then I also do helping the brave, which is a podcast for helping veterans. Once we take our uniform off and that's on Wednesdays, on three 30 on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube uh, live. And then we post that as a podcast. Like each one is a few weeks out 
on a Friday. And then I, what else do I have? I, and where I met you on inner Edison podcast, which I want to do something completely out of my industry first. And I was like, I want to talk to business owners and see how our greatest accomplishments come from our greatest defeat. That's, and that's what really I liked. And that I really enjoy that podcast as much as I enjoy the real estate stuff. But the one thing that's nice about it is it's been put me on stage anywhere. I can talk forever about any question you ask me about real estate finance, any that kind of stuff. Sales, which I'm really good at, took me a little bit longer. And that's what I'm trying to do more speaking on because I've been doing sales for 20 some years. So that's it. I got inner Edison, helping the brave real estate jerky. Oh, one more. It just seems like I just created it, but January we started. Um, a friend of mine, Brian Galky, he is a facial recognition guy. He can tell you everything about you by your eyebrows, your nose, your eyes, land, everything about your ear, everything about you. You'd be shocked once he told you everything about you. Cause he, and we created the thing when I was in college one of my instructors told me to remember it was like four aces and a joker. And basically, even though it's a good hand, but that's not, it's an acronym. ACEs stand for attitude, commitment, enthusiasm, smile, which you bring to the table in sales when you're talking to somebody. That joker is that unique ability that you have that nobody else has or you've learned. And so that's what our show's about. We talk about sales. We have jokers on talking about what they have. And it's been, a, it's, we've been doing just the live part of it for the last, since January, twice a week. So that's what we do. Just a few things. You're a busy guy, Ed. So, and I run a mortgage company and you run a mortgage company on top of all that. So if you had one piece of advice to give to an entrepreneur on how to play big faster, what would it be? You want to become the authority in your industry, right? I was the best kept secret in my neighborhood. And that's why I, then I got on radio. And the one thing about radio is if people hear you on radio, they think you really know what you're talking about. That's just how it is. That's how people perceive. And then the, that's why radio podcasting, having a podcast would do the same thing. Um, radio people think radio is bigger than podcasting. Podcast people think it's better than radio. I'm in both of them. I think they're just as good. It's just as long as you know what you're doing. And it takes a while. It took a long time for me to be able to talk like this. I still say so occasionally. And then I say, I try not to say one of the things, two things you shouldn't do. Um, you're supposed to smile all the time. I smile on the inside. My wife says, this is Ed happy. This is Ed sad. Truth. It's just one of those things. That's just who I am. So how do you be an authority by coming up with something, either podcast or getting on radio? Both of those are not tough to do. They just take time and money. The other thing I did was I wrote a book. And that's the financial freedom building personal through home ownership. That is these days, it's almost like a business card. Most people have to have a book and it's no other easier in history. There's no been any other easier time to write a book than now and have it on Amazon or anywhere else you want it, have a book funnel, the whole thing. The other thing that I did, I got lucky. I was introduced to some people who were doing a documentary about real estate and how people made money in real estate, how they made their fortune. And they asked me, and as the mortgage person, because I was telling them about this thing in San Diego called uh, traffic and conversion. Now it's going to be in Vegas. It's a huge marketing event. And I was there and this friend of mine introduced me. And then I was ended up talking to her later that she ran the documentary company. And she's like, I got this thing this weekend, Dan Fleshman, I don't know if you know who he is. He sold the, he became, went public at 19, the youngest person ever to go public when he did so with his company. And then he, uh, later on, he wanted to get in real estate. So he created a real estate company called the Avengers and it's in LA. And he's the one that commissioned this documentary to be done. 
And so they asked me to come in to talk about, and I talked about why there's not going to be a bubble and then why we went through what we went through in 2006, all those little things that I talk about all the time, and but they've never heard of. And people tell you, whatever your message is, when you're about ready to stop talking about it because you're tired of it, they're just starting to listen. So Ed, how can people first find your book? Easiest way, because my name's really difficult, <laughs> Parco, P-A-R-C-A-U-T. If you go to edparco.com, It'll take you to my website. There's a tab for the book. You can click on it. It'll take you right over to Amazon. Or you can go directly to Amazon, type in my name, Ed Parco, but most people spell it wrong. And so that's why I said the, and then, so what I did is getedsbook.com. So getedsbook.com. If you're going to have a book, do a, a domain like that to be easy and people will never forget it. And I'll make sure I include that in the show notes as well. So otherwise, social media. How can we reach on social media? I'm Ed Parco everywhere. Everywhere, people. YouTube, Facebook, what did I say? Like Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. It was huge for me. I finally had a video go viral for me. It was like 745 views, 745,000 views. So now the question is were you dancing or singing? On TikTok? No, I I made so I there's a software out there called Opus Pro. I think I talked to you about it before. And if you want, you can go get Opus Pro or try Opus Clips. I, those are my affiliate links. So feel free to use those. It cut me up a video and, and I posted it and it went viral. It was talking about if you don't want to pay property taxes on a manufactured home, buy a piece of land, put the manufactured home on the land, but don't affix it to the land, meaning that don't put it on a permanent foundation. Then you just pay taxes on the land, which is true for a lot of places, not everywhere, but for a lot of places. And you, know, you had a lot of people go, the guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's an idiot, which, and of course I engage because people who aren't haters don't engage much, but haters engage a lot. So feel free to say, really, is that what you think? Well, get them to engage more because you get any type of traction, anything is good, right? That's what you want. I don't care if it's negative or positive. All of it's good. It builds it and makes momentum. And that's what you care about. You're going to get more haters to move your numbers up than you are the positive people. So. so you heard it here first. You thought you were coming for lessons in real estate and financial literacy. And now we've learned about haters. Yes, this is a masterclass. <laughs> it's just people ask, what do I do with them? And they hide them and keep moving. Who cares? Yeah. And I've had a few people like who made nasty comments under stuff. And I just don't respond. I don't engage. But I'm going to use Ed's advice now and just start with, really? Is that what you think? Yeah, just, and then other people will come to your help and they'll, and that it just does. It just, because a lot of people would started going, no, I've done this in my place. No, I did it. That's exactly right. And I originally came across this, thought it was stupid like five years ago when I was like, why would you do that? Wouldn't you want the full value? But you can always put a permanent foundation underneath your manufactured home and affix it and then sell it as real property down the road. You don't have yeah. to do it the day you put it there. So love this. Okay. Ed, thank you so much for being with us. I hope I gave you a nugget. A bunch. Look, a bunch in my Louisville, Mississippi voice, a bunch. <laughs> Thanks so much. And everyone else until next time, play big faster. Thanks for listening to this episode and remember to play big faster. 